0: All right, Romans chapter 7 tonight, we'll be back in Romans chapter number 7, and then once you find Romans 7, if you could also find John chapter number 10, we will be there later on in the lesson uh, tonight, Romans chapter number 7. And if you find your place, you're able to, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word, and uh, we'll... We'll get after it tonight, so you can all get home. It was a joke. Most of you are already home right now sitting on the couch. Brother Brett, that's for you. Yes. All right, Romans chapter number seven. Romans chapter number seven. And we're going to, just to kind of give us some context, we'll go back a little bit to what we discussed this morning uh, to set the stage, because really, uh, there's three points. to the lesson or to the message, and so I want to build upon each other, and we're talking about the relationship, not religion, understanding the impossible Christian life, and really looking at this aspect in our series in Sunday School on Real Christianity. Real Christianity is more than just a tag or a moniker or an asterisk, It's, it's, it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which ultimately is a relationship with God, and we established this morning... You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to have a relationship with God. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But Romans chapter number 7, let's begin reading in verse number 14. We know this is the Apostle Paul, he's writing here and he says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. Verse 16, even then I do that which I would not. I consent unto the law. That it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Now, let's take a pause there for a second. This is the Apostle Paul. So let's think about this for a second. For I know, Paul's saying, I know. Paul the Apostle says, I know that in me, that is in Paul the Apostle, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Skip down to verse number 24. Paul goes on to say this. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. We're looking in tonight, finish up this lesson, this thought, relationship, not religion, the impossible Christian Life. Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity it is to be in your house. We don't take it for granted that we're able to take the Word of God tonight or even tomorrow morning as we read our Bible or later on next week. Lord, help us not to take that for granted. Lord, maybe tonight as we're thinking about this relationship and we're sitting at home or maybe even sitting in the service or we're running the live stream, running the audio, whatever the case is tonight, we we know where we stand with you, and while we may not publicly want to divulge our relationship with you, the pros, the cons, the areas of our life that are shortcoming, Lord, you know tonight where we're struggling. and Lord, you know tonight the areas of our life that you have asked us to yield to you, yet we're still holding on. You know tonight the areas of our life that we're trying to perform in your eyes, Lord, I pray that by the end of the night, that the message, the lesson would be simplistic enough for us as Christians to look at our life and look at our relationship with Jesus Christ and with our Heavenly Father, and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not based upon performance, it's not based upon what somebody else says, but it's purely based upon the Word of God and the truths found within it. Lord, help us tonight to be clear, to be concise, to be an encouragement and a blessing. We do pray for our church family, Lord, pray for those that are watching, those that are home or those that haven't been able to uh, come to the building last month, month and a half, and meet. I pray that you bless them, protect them, Lord, encourage them this week as we prepare for next Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Kind of just a little bit of a review tonight to kind of set the stage for where we're going. Uh, For many, the Christian life breaks down because they see it as a religion rather than a relationship. And so... I'm going to kind of read some of these notes to kind of get us up to speed here. But as says, many people believe the Christian life to be a moral code or one of many in the world today, a system, if you would, of religion that conforms me to a high standard or an ethical behavior. Uh, but the fact is this, no matter how disciplined you and I are, no matter how long uh, you and I study and pray and work and try to do good things, we will never, it'll never be enough for a perfect and an eternal God. It won't, it won't be that way. I mean, look at our text here. In Romans chapter number 7, we know this, that Paul is acknowledging his sinful state. And, and if you think about the Apostle Paul, and you let's just take, for instance, the Apostle Paul and Brother Andrew. I mean, th- there's no comparison. The Apostle Paul is much greater than Brother Andrew. But yet, the Apostle Paul is acknowledging here that there's issues in his life. Look at verse 14. He says, but I am carnal. I'm carnal. Paul's described, I have this note written in my Bible here, but it underlined. it says this, it says, Paul's describing himself. He understands that God is right and that he is wrong. One of, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest struggles we have, I believe, in our Christian relationship with God or with Jesus Christ, even for myself, I can, I can speak for myself, is this, is that I don't want to acknowledge that I'm carnal. I don't want to acknowledge that I'm wrong. I don't want to acknowledge that I'm sinful. But the fact of the matter is, regardless if I acknowledge it or not, I'm sinful. You're sinful. And so Paul says here, he says, listen, I am carnal, sold under sin. For that, verse number 15, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. And we think, man, Brother Andrew, last last six weeks, last eight weeks as we've been shut up in, in home and not working or not going to school, man, I, I found myself drifting off into things or looking at things or listening to things or thinking things that I shouldn't. Listen, you're in good company because Paul's the exact same way. Paul acknowledges, hey, there's some struggles in my life. And one of the benefits of being a real Christian and having real Christianity is knowing this I'm gonna struggle. I'm gonna struggle. But listen, not just the fact that I'm gonna struggle, but there's a God in heaven who knows I'm gonna struggle. There's a God in heaven who knows that I'm gonna have shortcomings. There's a God in heaven who knows I'm gonna need his help. And that's the blessing of real Christianity. <clears throat> if we started in Genesis and mapped out all the exemptions, the do's and the don'ts, if you would, of Scripture from the beginning to the end, we would find this. We would find there'd be no possible way for us to give 100% of our effort and still come out on top. There's no possible way. There's no possible way I could take this Bible and adhere to every single thing within the pages from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation and go, man, I have just met everything that God lines out. I have just met every do. I've just met every don't. I've met every expectation God has for me. Man, I have arrived. It's not possible. So you say, why are you saying that, Brother Andrew? We cannot approach God in our relationship with God with the mindset of, I've arrived. I've got this figured out. I've got it covered. Man, I may have a few little, a few little gray areas over here, a few little rounded corners, and need to sharpen up over here. But man, overall, God, you know I'm good. I'm my relationship with you, and it's good. It doesn't happen that way. It can't happen that way. If the Apostle Paul sits here and says this, Brother John, I struggle with sin. Why? Because I'm carnal. I would, I would say, listen, I'm in the same boat as Paul. I'm carnal. I struggle with sin. I struggle with temptation. I struggle with, with spiritual uh, uh, conflict and, and spiritual warfare. And so when we see this, we understand this, what is taking place, let's apply it to ourselves. See, you and I struggle with sin, with faithlessness, with idolatry. We would still be groaning and wrestling our way through this life if we tried so hard to to work our way to heaven, to work our way in this relationship. If our mindset of our relationship with God was based upon a religion, we'd be we'd be we'd be, we'd be discouraged, and we'd be depressed, and we'd be frustrated. So we said this point number one, just kind of review. We had to establish a biblical framework, a biblical framework. Even a brief read through the Bible reveals that God does give commandments concerning our behavior. For instance, He calls us to live a holy life. God, de- listen, I don't know if for the sake of time we don't have it tonight, but God desires and calls us to live a holy life. God desires to, uh, that we live separate from the world. God, listen, God does not desire his people to be just like the world. God does not desire his people to live sinful and fleshly and carnally and just like, man, that's okay, not a problem. Just go ahead and name the name of Christ. No, no, God desires for us to live different. So we look at theological, a theological framework uh, with which to approach these, these, this, this mindset. And we've got to understand this. We're talking about why we obey God. And we're nailing down the fact that our obedience has nothing to do with God's acceptance. So, what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? Listen, if you and I don't have a solid grasp on biblical truth, the Christian life will be an exercise in frustration and guilt. Because here's our mindset Man, my Christian walk, my Christian life, I'm just, uh, Brother Andrew, my, my Christian life, my relationship with Christ is just, it's not fulfilling. It's not what it needs to be. It's just, man, it's just like drudgery. Well, why? Well, because I am trying to do this, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do that. <clears throat> Listen, we can try all we want, but at the end of the day, we're still sinful flesh. We're still sinful flesh. The reason that many Christians walk away from Jesus Christ is because they're simply discouraged, not at the preacher, not at the church, not even necessarily at brothers and sisters in Christ, but they're just discouraged. Let's just be real this more, uh, tonight. They're just discouraged in their relationship with Christ. Because they've set an expectation, if you would, of what their relationship with Christ should be. And... According to them, he's not meeting it. So we thought we talked this morning about this, looking at it from the the, the side of religion and understanding that religion and the desire of religion to get us to fall under these concepts of you gotta do this and you gotta do this and you gotta do this and you gotta attain to get to this level with God. But then we looked at the opposite side of that and we looked at a relationship. A relationship. You see, if you frame your Christianity through the lens of a relationship, which is what the Bible teaches and what Paul is trying to get at here. In Romans chapter number seven, then the truth of God's word makes us free. It sets us free. You see, God comes near to you and I and invites us into a relationship with him. And Jesus Christ becomes a friend offering new life and joy. You see, the climbing gives way to resting. The climbing. Listen, if we're trying to climb our way to God, if we're thinking, I've, I've got to get closer to God and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and, and, and my life's got to be like this person's life and I've got to come. No, 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 no. If we, if we would get rid of the, the mindset of this ladder, we talked about this more this ladder type mindset of, of trying to get to God and trying to attain to God, then we would find such great rest. Such great rest. One of the thing, unique things about what we've been going through the last couple of weeks is <clears throat> I believe the, the, the influence of social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, whatever the case is, and You find these people making comments and posts on Facebook about their walk with God or the church or their Bible reading, whatever. And you know, if you're not not careful, you start grabbing a hold of those things and you start thinking, well, man, God ain't spoken to my heart like that. Or or man, that, that, that person's like really, no, 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 listen, we cannot, we cannot in our relationship with Jesus Christ compare ourselves to other people. You see, the climbing gives way to resting, the frustration gives way to forgiveness, the exhaustion gives way to renewal, and the trying gives way to yielding. God's grace and goodness crushes all the ladders we set up trying to attain to a certain level to be, quote-unquote, more spiritual. Grace brings God very near with open arms. The cross of Christ bridges an immeasurable distance between sinful man and a holy God. With almost reckless abandonment, God invites humanity to approach Him boldly. Could you imagine, could you imagine, I mean, just for a second here, uh, kind of pause here and point number one for you to point number two. Could you imagine God in heaven looking down upon earth and seeing not, not hundreds, not thousands, but let's be real tonight, seeing millions of people, maybe even billions of people, trying to work their way to him. Ever thought about that? Ever thought about a God in heaven who loved you and I so much that he gave his only begotten son, and he looks down, listen, he looks down at earth on 2020, and he sees people that are going through ritualistic motions and religious practices and worshiping idols, and worshiping quote-unquote gods, thinking that they will one day get to heaven. Could you imagine maybe the feeling that God has, and look on God, God's face, and just kind of, maybe in a sense almost, uh, I don't know, maybe just a little bit of the frustration that God has? Like, man, I, you don't get it. Like, I made this simple. I, I, I saw that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. I saw that you had, you had a sinful, you got carn, carnality in your life. So, I sent you my only begotten Son. He died upon the cross. He bore your sins. And and, and, and it is finished. It was was mentioned this morning. It is finished. And so, therefore, you can come to me through Jesus Christ. But instead, you're denying Jesus Christ and you're trying to get to me by your works or by your religion or by your idolatry or by your false uh, doctrine, whatever the case is. Imagine God in heaven tonight. Say, why is that such a big deal, Brother Andrew? Well, point number two is this you got your notes from Sunday school. We've got to clarify some expectations that we have for God. So hold your place in Romans chapter number 7 and turn over to John chapter number 10. Let's clarify some expectations uh, that, that we have with God. When it, listen, when it comes to our relationship with God, I'm going to actually give me just a little bit of liberty here tonight as we build this. So clarify some expectations. Let's go to John chapter number 10. In John chapter number 10, we we won't read the whole chapter, uh, but I'd encourage you to read the chapter. Jesus makes a very profound statement in verse number 10. Notice what he says. He says, the thief cometh not, John chapter 10, verse number 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Well, that's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, Jesus tells us right away, "Here's here's the thief's purpose. Here's the thief's objective. Now, notice what he says here. He says, I am come. It's Jesus speaking about himself? I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more, what? Abundantly. Abundantly. Now, we're talking about a real relationship with God. We're talking about a real relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we read John chapter number 10, verse number 10, we think, man, uh, I am come, Jesus has come that they, that I, that you might have life. Man, that's great. But God doesn't, listen, Jesus doesn't stop there. God doesn't stop there. Look what he says. And that they might have it more abundantly. Abundantly. Man, yes, it's exciting. It's like, man, not just that I have life, but that I'm going to enjoy life, right? I mean, that's what, we're looking at this, we're thinking, man, man, this is, this is great, this is awesome. Well, what's the problem, Brother Andrew? Well, here's the problem. We read chapter number 10, verse number 10, and so we have this expectation of God. Let's be honest tonight. We read this, and that they might have it more abundantly. Abundantly. So we set this expectation with God, and we think, God, if my life is to be abundant, you have to do this. God, in order for my relationship with you to be amazing, you've got to hold your end of the bargain right here in John chapter 10, verse number 10. Let me give you an example here. Here's letter A there, what we expect from Jesus. Let me give you some examples of some wrong assumptions or some wrong expectations, if you would, about the abundant life that God speaks about. How about this one? How about this one? Happiness. 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 Becoming a Christian should make us happy, but we may fail to realize that the joy God promises doesn't mean we will never face pain. Now, we're talking about a real relationship. We're talking about relationship versus religion. Can we honestly say in the last six to eight weeks that we have lived six to eight weeks in pure happiness? Let's be real. Let's be honest. Listen, I... I know I know. on Sundays, preacher's happy, but he ain't that happy because we're not meeting as a church. No one's really happy on Sundays because we can't meet. Let's just be honest. So let's just be real tonight that we would think this. Well, man, abundant life, I've got to be happy all the time. Happy, happy, happy. Just find the happiness inside of you. Man, God's got it for you. Man, just be the bigger. No, 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 no. We take things out of context. Here's an example. In Psalm chapter 16, verse number 11, the psalmist said this. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So here's the expectation we have if we're not careful is this. God, if I'm to have that abundant life, if I'm to have that real relationship, if I'm to have that relationship that Brother Andrew's talking about, I have to be happy all the time. Can I be honest with you? You're not always going to be happy. You're not. You're not. You're just not always going to be happy. You're not going to be happy that it's cloudy. You're not going to be happy that it's sunny. You're not going to be happy that you get a million dollars. You're not going to be happy that you got five dollars. You're just not going to be happy. Some of you may come in next week and be like, man, I'm just not happy. All these rules and all these things, blah, blah, blah. Listen, we're just, by nature, sometimes negative, negative people. You say, well, why, what's that, why is that a problem, Brother Andrew? Because our expectation is this. Man, if I'm to have that abundant life like Jesus talked about, if I'm to really grab a hold of that, I've got to be happy. No, no, no. Our expectation tonight cannot be this. Man, if I'm to have a relationship with God, I've got to be happy. And therefore, man, if I'm not happy, I'm not having a relationship with God. Here's the second one. How about this? A false assumption or false expectation. How about this? How about peace? Peace. Here's peace is described as this, the internal sense of rest and stability. Listen, we want peace, right? When we think about peace, we want peace in families. You know, I'm the oldest of seven kids. There wasn't always peace in the home. Just being honest, my mom and dad might be watching tonight. There just wasn't always peace. You got four, five boys. There was times dad kicked us out in the backyard, put us on the trampoline, said, "Duke it out." When you're done, come back inside. And we duked it out. You know, I mean, I had two sisters. What? Well, enough said right there. You get you get sisters involved. <clears throat> there's no, there's amen. There's not always peace with sisters. It's just the way it is. They're just sisters. But we want listen. We want peace. Listen, we want we want peace at home. We want peace at the workplace. Can I, I, I be honest with you? We want peace even in the church house, right? I mean, pastor would agree to that. We want peace amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, we want peace for America. We want pe- we want peace for the world. Oh. We want peace for we want peace, brother Mike. We want peace, but we think this: we think peace is the absence of conflict and struggle. So our expectation with God, our expectation, our relationship, and our walk with God is, God, I want peace, I want peace, I want peace. And listen, and when there is struggle, when there is strife, when there is frustration, and there is no such thing as peace on the horizon, we're thinking, man, my walk with God is horrible. My walk with God is just, man, it's just not there. It's just, what is the point of this walk? What is the point of this relationship? Here's the verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says this, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, the peace of God. Brother Andrew, the peace of God. The past all understanding. Man, I gotta have peace. Man, if I don't have peace, my walk with God. No, 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 no. False expectation. Number three, how about this? Number three, what about this? What about forgiveness? Forgiveness. Forgiveness can be defined as this the knowledge that our sin debt has been fully paid. Fully paid. No, 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 not partially paid. Not partially paid. You know, you get like a bill in the mail, whether it's your auto loan, home loan, credit card, whatever the case is, you make a payment, you know, you pay your, you pay your water bill, electric bill, phone bill, whatever bill you pay, and you get the bill in the mail, and you look at it, and, and let's just take, for instance, a credit card bill, and so, man, you're looking at that balance go down, 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 as long as you don't use your credit card, you know, it's just going down, down, down. No, 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 no. Forgiveness, our debt was paid once and for all, like immediately. There was no, like, compounding interest. There was no annual fees. No, none of that junk. None. None. Jesus said, put it all on me. I'll take it all. I'll take it all. I, it's all on me. I, I can do it. I can handle it. It's all on me. But here's the thing. When it comes to what we expect from Jesus, we presume this. We presume that forgiveness will lead to immediate victory over sin. I'm sure a pastor can attest to this. I know I, know I can. Over the years, you... You, and, and other men in our church, other ladies in our church who've led people to the Christ, and, you know, they get saved, and they, they, they get saved, man, they're excited, they're jumping up and down, they're, you know, high-fiving, fist-bumping, chest-bumping, whatever it is, you know, and, and they get all excited about getting saved, and then what happens? Man, they start struggling. They start struggling. And they still struggle with alcohol, with drugs, with smoking, with lying, with cheating, with gambling, with stealing, with pornography, with cussing, with bad music, you name it. And so we had this mindset that, wait, wait a minute now, it, it, if I've got a relationship with Christ, if I've been forgiven of my sin, then man, I should be good, I should just be coasting along. And that's not the case. You see, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7 tells us this, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." Listen, just because I've received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ doesn't mean this. Doesn't mean I'm sinless. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. No, no, no. I'm going to sin. I'm going to make mistakes. But if I'm not careful, I have this expectation that, man, since I've been forgiven, I'm good to go. How about this? We're talking about what we expect from Jesus. How about this? We expect new life. New life. The magic fix of all our problems, our sins, and our hardships. We expect new life to be much easier than the old life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, the Bible tells us this, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be mean, real with you tonight as you're watching online, uh, at home, wherever you're at. Listen, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, you have new life. You were once lost and undone and bound for a place called hell, but when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, man, you've got new life. You're a new creature in Christ. I mean, Man, you've been saved, you've been set apart, you've got a home in heaven. But can I be honest with you? Your struggles are probably going to get even greater than what they were beforehand. The things that, God, uh, the, the battle, the spiritual warfare, the conflict at home, the conflict maybe even at work, within marriages, families, whatever the case, it might get a little bit greater than what you saw before you got saved. And so if we're not careful tonight, the expectation when it comes to our relationship or real Christianity is this. Bless God, that preacher said that when I get saved, I'm going to have new life. I got saved. I got a new life. Now my new life is worse than my old life. Follow me here? And If we're not careful, we get this mindset of, man, it's just not worth it. You see, we, I have this note down here. That says, we don't understand that happiness and pain can coexist. We fail to see that peace doesn't remove conflict, but rises above it. We don't know that forgiveness of sin doesn't remove the struggle with sin. And our false assumptions set us up for a big disappointment with Jesus and with Christianity. Go back over to our text there in Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7. Notice here what Paul is saying in verse number 14. Let's get back to our text here. He says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, Sold under sin. So if we looked at, just for a few minutes ago, we looked at what we expect from Jesus, let's look at what we experience with Jesus. I mean, if we have this expectation that that once we get saved, once we have this relationship with Christ, that everything's going to be all hunky-dory, if you would, everything's going to be great, grand, and marvelous, what is the reality of a relationship with Christ? Well, Paul gives it to us here, right here in our text. Look at verse number 15. He says for that which I do I allow not for what I would that do I not but what I hate that do I if then I do that which I would not I consent unto the law that it is good now then it is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to, for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not for the good that I would I do not but the evil which I would not that I do That I do. Let's think about conflict that he describes here, the conflict that Paul describes. Every believer experiences this same conflict. So here's what Paul is saying. I just can't get my act together. I'm saved. I'm born again. I I remember that road to Damascus. I remember uh, Jesus calling me. I, I remember, I vividly remember what took place that day. But when that thing took place, that new life, that new man took place and took ownership and and the Holy Spirit of God came in and dwelled inside me, I, there's still that carnality, there's still that sinful flesh, and there's still the struggle I have with sin. So he, he gives us these paradoxes, if you would, and, and he, one of the things I want us to see here is this, the joy and the hardness. See, being a Christian is more than hard. It brings with it a hardness. It's not always comfortable being a Christian. It's not always bliss. It's not always perfect. It's not always paradise. Let's be real. Let's be honest. There's some Sundays you come in here and pastor's preaching away, he's preaching away, he's preaching away, he's banging on the pulpit, he's got his handkerchief, and he's just preaching away. And you and I are sitting in the pew, and we're like, oh, I wish he wasn't preaching at me. Come on, let's be real tonight. I know you're at home, Brother Brett, but listen up. Listen, we're thinking in our mind, oh, and so things get hard. Let's be honest, things get hard. And, and I, can, I can attest to this, not because I'm anything. But there's times you can get in the pulpit, and you can be preaching a message, whether it's Pastor, myself, or the Mike or the Jimmy, uh, or the Rick, any of the men get in the pulpit and preach a message, and you're preaching the Word of God, and you can just sense, like, it gets really, really tight. And you can tense, like, the liberty just gets sucked out of the auditorium. Am I right, preacher? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. If you couldn't hear him on live stream, he said, oh, yeah. And let's be honest with you. You know why it is? Because truth is being presented, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who God is and who we are inside of God is being presented, and our old flesh is going, that's too hard. I don't want that. I don't want that. Man, I, I, it's getting hot in here. Turn the air on, Brother Andrew, because, man, there is no way, no way I can handle that. Hebrews chapter number ten, verse number thirty-two. The Bible tells us this: "But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions." You see, being a Christian, being a real Christian—yes, there's joy in it. But can I be honest with you tonight? There's going to be some hardness. There's going to be some times that there's going to be some times that you're going to hear a message, or you're going to hear a Sunday school lesson, or you're going to read your Bible in your devotion time, or you'll be down on your face praying. Whatever the case is, you may be even driving down the road listening to a song. And God pricks your heart and says, hmm, yeah, you're a little hard right now. And you think your walk with me is what it needs to be, what it should be? No, bucko, you're falling short. And can I be honest with you tonight when we, listen, what we're talking about, what we really experience with Jesus Christ, yes, it's going to be hard. But can I be real with you tonight is this, is that there's joy in that. Could you imagine living your Christian life, Brother John? I mean, you're talking 30, 40, 50, let's just say 60 years saved. Knowing Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and just like coasting through, get to the end of your life and you're like, man, did God ever really speak to my heart other than the day of salvation? I mean, I can think back June 10th, 1991, West Charleston Baptist Church Vacation Bible School. Our theme that year was the armor of God. It was a Tuesday. I can, I can, I can remember where I was when I got saved. Remember where I was when I got saved. But man, what a shame to be 36 years old now, that was back when I was seven. Man, from seven years old to 36 years old, all them years, and all that traveling, churches, ministry, and and be like, you know, Pastor Marshall, God has never spoken my heart again since June 10th, 1991. What a shame. But listen, listen, how many Christians go through their life just like that? And here's, here's the reason why they don't hear from God. Because it's hard, they don't want to embrace it. What do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? No, no, no. When God challenges us to be real, we're like, okay, God, I'll be real, but on my terms. Now, I don't want to go back and teach the lesson from this morning, but we talked a lot about this morning about the I complex. I, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. It's about me. It's about what fits into my schedule, about, about fits into what I'm reading or what I read or what I'm thinking or what I was taught or, or, or what this person says or what that person says or this person's testimony or that person's testimony. no, 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 no. I've got to realize tonight that there's going to come some times in my life where God's going to speak to me, and I'm going to experience the Lord Jesus Christ working in my heart, and he's going to say this, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, I know it's frustrating, I I, I know your, your flesh is battling this, but Andrew, if you would just yield, there'd be so much joy in your life. If you would just give in to me, there'd be so much joy in your life. How about this? How about the contrast of peace and conflict? Peace and conflict. You see, not long after following Jesus, the peace of God is clouded by the conflict of struggle. Say, so Brother Andrew, can you give me an example real quick? How about, how about we think about this? How about the Apostle Peter? I mean, Peter told Christ, Christ, I'll go to the grave with you. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll ne- no, everybody else, look at all these other bums over here. They'll forsake you. The Lord, not I. Not Peter, not I. What did Peter end up doing? He never forsaken the Lord. He ran. If you study the life of Peter, he went back to fishing. I mean, he, we're talking about a guy who was in the presence of our Lord and Savior, and not just in the presence, but watched miracle after miracle after miracle. Had a front row seat, front row seat to the Gospels. Yet push comes to shove, conflict arose. He ran. He ran. The Holy Spirit through our conscience brings convicting or conviction for us to change and to grow. Suddenly there's a fight that wasn't there before and our sin struggles seem to increase. We want peace, we want peace, but let's be honest tonight that as we desire peace, there's also gonna be spiritual conflict. Let me go back to my previous illustration. The pastor's up here preaching away, he's preaching away, he's preaching away, he's preaching away. And that old flesh rises up and there's conflict as we're sitting in the chair. or We're sitting at home because of the coronavirus. And we're hearing the message preached the message delivered. And man, there's some real conflict. Man, I want peace. I want spiritual peace. I want that relationship with God. But man, I'm not willing to deal with this area of my life. And so spiritually, there's conflict. We see it in teenagers. We see it in adults as well. How about this? How about forgiveness and failure? You see, we try and fail. Then our conscience condemns us. It isn't long before we feel guilt and shame over sin. Our, our new birth makes sense. And it's sensitive to failing. And so we become... Painfully aware of our sinfulness. Romans chapter seven, verse number 19, look what the Bible says. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. What does Paul say? Listen, Paul's not writing this, Paul's not writing this from a carnal perspective in the sense of a lost person. I hope we all realize that tonight. I hope you realize that tonight. He's writing this from a saved man's position. He's writing this from somebody who's experienced salvation. He's experienced salvation in an amazing way. And so he says this, for the good that I would, I do not. Now that's a pretty profound statement in and of itself, but Paul doesn't stop there. Look what he says. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Man, how many of us, how many of us, could you imagine Riverside Baptist Church next Sunday night? Let's be honest, think about this for a second. Next Sunday night we gather together, however many is here. Pastor Marshall says, okay, we're going to have confession time. We're going to allow you the opportunity to stand up and to confess the good things you've done, but at the same time, confess the sin that's in your life. Who would like to volunteer first? (laughs) Pastor said, sit down, Brett. No, 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 let's, let's be real tonight. I, I'm sure, I am, Pastor, I am probably 110% sure that no one's going to be like, I'm willing to confess the good I've done, and I'm willing to confess the bad I've done. Listen, no one wants to air their dirty laundry. No one wants to air their shortcomings. No one does. Listen, not even Pastor wants to. No one does. But Paul, look what Paul says, verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Brother Andrew, you read your Bible? Yeah, I read my Bible. Brother Andrew, you pray? Yeah, I pray, I pray. Brother Andrew, you listen to good godly music? Yeah. Listen to good guy in the music. Follow me? We'll, we'll grab a hold of the good things. We'll pick ourselves up, put ourselves on a pedestal for the good things. But man, when it comes down to the failures in our life, when it comes down to the sinfulness in our life, we have a hard time admitting it. Hard time. You see, life is not always perfect as we expect. We have struggles and difficulties that are still a part of everyday, the everyday life we live in as a Christian. But Christ is much bigger than all that. So what do I got to do, Brother Andrew? Well, we find this in verse number 24. Look what the Bible says. It says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? Paul says in verse number 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Number three tonight, if you got your hand out, is this, finding freedom in biblical realities. Finding freedom in biblical realities. So, why is this, you know, really save the best for last? We're talking about relationship versus religion. We're talking about having a real Christian relationship with Jesus Christ. So, what's the reality of my walk, my relationship with Christ? Here's the reality. Paul says this ultimately, I'm going to paraphrase here when he says this. He says, In myself, I'm wretched, I'm wicked. I'm defiled, I'm a failure. But my deliverance isn't up to me. It is up to God through, according to verse number 25, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So I can journey on, loving and serving God from my heart and fighting sin in my flesh until I see him. Listen, if you're thinking tonight that this Christian life, it, man, it's just going to be like the red carpet, no problems, no failures, no shortcomings, can i, can I be honest with you, Man, there's a lot of shortcomings. There's a lot of failures. There's a lot of hard times. Listen, there are people at Riverside Baptist Church in the last year, two, three years, I mean, they've gone through some hard things in life, whether it's personal, whether it's financial, whether it's family, whether it's work-related, whether it's health-related, whatever the case. Listen, there's some difficulties in the Christian life. I'm not here to to butter up the Christian life and be like, it's just so amazing, no problems. Man, you'll always... No, 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 there's some hardships to the Christian life. But that's also, at the same time, the joy of the Christian life. That as I'm going through these things, I can rest in who Jesus Christ is. So letter A here, let's, let's wrap this up and we'll be done and we can go home. Or I can go home, amen? Letter A, we're saved, but we'll still struggle. We are saved, listen, we're saved, we're born again. We're talking about a real Christian, they're saved, they're born again, but we're still going to struggle. If you're a struggling Christian, <laughs> you ready for this? I won't ask for anybody to raise their hand. I'll close my eyes so Brother Brett can raise his hand. If you're a struggling Christian, raise your hand. Brother Joe raised his hand. Did you raise your hand, Brother Joe? No? Okay. Brother Joe's, Brother Joe's still in denial, but we'll pray for Brother Joe. Listen, if we're a struggling Christian, ready? We're a normal Christian. We're normal Christian. We're normal Christian. You say, Brother Andrew, what do you you mean by that? No, 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 listen. We all struggle. Um, Tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow's Monday. And tomorrow, most of us go back to work, myself included. So most of us don't wake up on Mondays and skip on out the door with our coffee cup in our hand going, Bless God, it's Monday. I get to go back to work. No, 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 no. It's a struggle. You say, well, Brother Andrew, that's kind of like personal. Okay, well, let's go spiritual. Some of us, the last six to eight weeks, we haven't read our Bible. We haven't prayed. We haven't thought about our church family. We haven't thought about our Sunday school class. We haven't thought about our bus routes. We haven't thought about all the missionaries that we support. We haven't thought about the young people and the adults that raised their hand for salvation that last Sunday we were able to meet as a normal congregation. We haven't thought about those things. We've just kind of gone through the motions and just done what we've done. We don't even care what takes place. If we're a struggling Christian tonight, we're a normal Christian. You see, we're all in the same boat as the Apostle Paul here in Romans chapter number 7. And man, the more that I've read this this last week and even this afternoon, the more I'm just like, man, this this I can totally relate with this guy. We're all in the same boat. We're broken beings, ravaged by a fallen world, stricken with the curse of sin. We've been pulled from the raging waters, unable to save ourselves, unable to sustain ourselves. And desperate in every way for forgiveness and spiritual hope. We're trying, we're journeying to safety. We've got our eyes on heaven. We've got our eyes on that mansion, but we haven't reached it yet. So it's a struggle. Listen, if you're saved tonight, you're gonna struggle. You can expect that. But there's a reality, there's freedom in knowing that. Let her be there. Let's move on really quickly here tonight. Let her be. We are dependent in every way. We're talking about realities. Finding freedom in biblical realities. We're dependent in every way. See, many Christians see salvation as a faith decision, but spiritual growth is a do-it-yourself project. As if God said this, I'll save you, now get to work and make something of yourself. It's almost like God says, I'll save you, and the Amazon guy is going to deliver everything you need, just put it together and you'll be fine. It's not how it works. I am dependent upon God. Dependent on what, Brother Andrew? Everything from God. We see God's grace and we look at it and we think, oh, I'm good, God, I'm I'm fine. No, no, no. We are dependent 100% upon Jesus Christ. His grace, his power, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love, his compassion, everything that God has to offer, we're dependent upon. We are. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 10, the Bible tells us this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Man, I'm thankful tonight that I'm his workmanship. Listen, I'm not, I'm not anybody else's workmanship but his. Which means what, Brother Andrew? Which means I am dependent upon God. No different than you are dependent upon God. Let her see. two more to go. The Christian life is not hard. It's impossible talking about biblical reality tonight. The Christian life, it's not hard. It's impossible. So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? See, the Christian life is not a try harder life. It's a grow further life. It's a life that is built upon a relationship, not a religion. If it's built on religion, it's all about me. And that we know where that's going to lead. It's a journey you and I take to God, not a climb that we do for him, not a a process of jobs and trying to work our way to heaven. No, 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 no. It's us putting our faith and trust in Christ. In and of ourselves, as human beings, it's impossible. It's impossible. Let me let you in on a little, I'm not a big math genius, but I found this statistic to be very, very accurate. 100% of people who reject Christ end up in hell. Think about that, Brother Joe. 100% of people who reject Christ end up in hell. You say, Brother Andrew, that's... It's, it's not that, that big of a deal. No, 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 no. We sometimes forget how impossible the Christian life really is. And here's our mindset sometimes, that God got a trophy when he got us. And God, woo! Lord, I've been saved since I was seven. Seven. Oh, yeah. God, he got a trophy. You got a trophy. Hey, man, I got, I got, I got, where's Brother D? Brother D gets saved. Man, God, I got saved at family camp. Yeah, woo! God, you got a trophy. Brother Brett, if you're watching, which you should be, you better be. Man, I walked that aisle, man, I got saved. Bless God. God got a trophy. So I, I have never, I have never, I have never, never, and I, I know I never will. I know I never will. I'll never, never hear pastors say, man, when God saved me, he got a trophy. Yeah. You realize tonight that when you got saved, it had nothing to do with you, had everything to do with him, had everything to do with Jesus Christ. And so for us to think tonight that we're saved and that we're a Christian and this Christian walk and this Christian life, man, I got this brother Andrew. I'm good. No, 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 my friend. It's impossible for you and I to live this life. It's hard. It's difficult. We need Jesus Christ. We need God. We need what God has to offer us every single day. Letter D there. Talking about expectations that set us free or freedom in biblical realities. Here's the last one, letter D. We are unconditionally accepted by Jesus Christ. We're unconditionally accepted by Jesus. You see, the Christian life is a relationship of unconditional acceptance and absolute dependence. It's not only a walk in which you and I are completely secure and entirely loved. No, no, no. But it's also a walk in which, we're listen, we're weak, we're vulnerable, we're absolutely dependent upon our Savior, His strength, every step of the way. Think about a child. Think about a child and you think about a baby. And listen, a baby needs to be fed, a baby needs to be taken care of, diaper needs to be changed. And, and you would think, listen, you would think that as that baby grows up and as they, as they get a little bit older, a little bit more mature, that you don't always have to feed them, and hopefully they get out of diapers, and you, you know, there's certain things that hopefully get a little bit better in their life from a physical standpoint. Can I be honest with you? In a Christian life, no matter how long you've been saved, whether it's a year, a week, a day, 50 years, 60 years, listen, even, at, even being saved 60 years, you are still just as dependent upon God at 60 years of being saved as you were day one, bottom line. You don't get to that point and go, man, bless God, how long you've been saved? Well, I've been saved a week. Woo! Man, you got to get up to my level, brother John. You got to get up to where I'm at. I've been saved for 40 years. Me and God, we're like, no, 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 no. That mindset and that mentality destroys us, ruins us, ruins our testimony. Jesus said this in John chapter number 8, verse number 32. He said this. He said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth releases us from faulty expectations, and it sets you and I free to be in a relationship on a journey. Listen, on a journey, yes, struggling, yes, feeling like failures, yes, uh, having discouragement, But at the same time, yielding and discovering what God has for us. So let's wrap this up. Give you a simple illustration. I I couldn't do this illustration in the building because I think I'd be fired if I did it. But normally uh, around July 4th, you know, we celebrate the independence of America. So normally with July 4th, we have fireworks. So yeah, no fireworks in the building tonight, Pastor, just so you know. But a lot of times you go to fireworks and you get little bottle rockets, right? Cheapo little bottle rockets. What do bottle rockets do? Man, you light them up, you hold them out, play with them, shoot them at people, whatever the case is. And normally, don't shoot them at people. Yeah. Oh, we got to edit that out of the live stream. But they fire on up and they go up in the sky. And Normally, they shoot on up and what do they do? They just explode. And listen, once they explode, it's over. It's done. On to the next bottle rocket. You know, a lot of times, sometimes, we're kind of like those bottle rockets. We get on fire for God. We get excited for the things of God. Man, we're, we're, just, we're just full steam ahead for the things of God, the, the work of God. And then all of a sudden, we just explode, implode, and no more. And part of that is because our relationship with God is not about a relationship. It's about a religion. And so we think about things in life and we go, man, you know what? I just, uh, yeah, man, my life's been really tough, Brother Andrew. Since I got saved, you know, I've lost my job and, you know, I just life's not been good and God hasn't answered any prayers. And listen, if we're, if we're looking at God and we're approaching our relationship with God with the mindset of this, God, you have to do for me before I'll do for you. Or God, if you really love me, you'll do this for me. Listen, if all God did in my life is save me from hell, That's good enough. I mean, if all God did was say, hey, listen, Andrew, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And I looked at God and said, God, you're right. I need a Savior. And God says, well, it's a good thing I sent my son to die for your sin. Would you put your faith and trust in him? Would you ask him to forgive your sins, come your heart, be your Savior? Well, yes, God, absolutely. I don't want to go to hell. I mean, I want my sins forgiven. And I call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior. I get saved. Man, if that's all that God did for me in this life, man, what a blessing. Think about, think about Christians, Christians who suffer persecution for what they believe. Think about Christians of yesteryears who didn't have, listen, they didn't have stimulus checks thousands of years ago when they were going through persecution and pandemics and epidemics. They didn't have regular jobs. They weren't meeting in buildings with air conditioning and heat and padded chairs and hymnals and all this other fancy stuff we have. No, 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 no. Man, they were facing some real struggles. But yet they were thankful for their salvation. They woke up every morning saying, Lord, it might be a horrible day, and I may not make it to the end of the day. I may be martyred, I may be killed, I may come down with some grave disease, whatever the case, but Lord, I'm thankful this morning that I'm saved, and I know you as my personal Lord and Savior. You see, religion leaves you and I breathless, frustrated, trying harder until you and I quit. God seems far away, arms folded, commanding you to get better, you're... You're, you're pressing forward, but man, listen, you're alone, you're anxious, you're exhausted, and eventually you stumble. You become weary, and the old devil himself crawls on our back and tells us this, keep trying harder, keep trying harder. You'll never, get, you'll never quite get there. Man, if your testimony and your walk with God and your relationship with God was just like so-and-so, and just like so-and-so, man, you'd be good. That's what religion teaches us. But here's relationship. Relationship is entirely different. It's the polar opposite. You see, relationship welcomes you and I. Undeserving we are into a close connection, close relationship to God, and God's heart, the warmth of his grace. By birth, you are loved. By grace, you are forgiven. And by God's goodness and love, you are safe in his arms. All of your unrighteousness has been removed. All of Jesus's righteousness has been wrapped around you and you're God's child. That's Relationship. Listen, religion can't give that to me. Nope. Mommy and dad can't give that to me. Nope. Spouse can't give that to me. Nope. A church uh, 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 can't do that. But a relationship can. A relationship with Jesus Christ. All you have to offer him is a cry for mercy. And in reply, here's what God does. God picks up the pieces of your failed attempts at life and religion tosses them aside, and carries you forward into a relationship with Him, secured and comforted, knowing this, it's not about you, it's about Him. You see, tonight we have to make a decision of whether or not we're going to have a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ, or whether or not we're going to keep living in a religion where we are trying to appease God. Can I be honest with you tonight? You and I are going to fail miserably if we're trying to appease God by our works, by any spiritual thing that we do. If We just come to Him just like Paul did. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You for tonight and for the privilege and the opportunity we have to be in Your house. Lord, we're thankful tonight that we can know You on a personal level. And not just know about you because of our Bible or because of hymns, but we can know you in our heart. Lord, I don't think tonight that Lord, I don't think tonight that we as a people as a congregation of Riverside Baptist Church, are trying our hardest to live up to you or to climb the ladder to you. I, I truly believe tonight that there are people in our church. I know that there are people in our church that have a relationship with you. And not just a relationship of, oh, I, I'm saved, I'm born again, a testimony of salvation, but Lord, I, a real walk with you, a genuine walk with you. They spend time in prayer, they spend time, or getting to know you and know, know the attributes of God and to understand what it is to have joy and peace, even in the storms of life. And Lord, I think about the song that Miss Emily sang right before I preached tonight, and I'm thankful tonight that we serve a God of second chances. Lord, I'm thankful tonight that in our failures and in our shortcomings, You still love us unconditionally. And Lord, a lot of times... I think that in our relationship with you, we don't really appreciate you like we should. Lord, I know I don't, and I'm sorry. Lord, I don't want to take for granted the relationship I have with you. I don't want to take for granted my salvation. Lord, I don't even want to take for granted the times where pastors preaching and conviction is setting in and Lord, it's hard. I don't want to move, and I don't want to respond to the Spirit speaking to my heart. I don't want to just overlook that, Lord. I want to respond. Because I want my relationship with You to be sweet, to be fulfilling, to be everything that You desire it to be. But in order for it to be that way, God, I've got to admit my shortcomings and my failures and the sin that's in my life. I've got to acknowledge that I cannot do this, this life, this Christian life, as impossible as it is, Lord, I can't do this in and of myself as Andrew. I can only do it with you and through you by your grace, your mercy, and your power. Lord, I pray tonight for this invitation time that we would consider our relationship with you, we'd consider our walk with you, how close we really are with you. Maybe even tonight, how we've taken for granted. Maybe it was tonight that you spoke to our heart, or maybe just looking back last six to eight weeks, we've taken for granted all the things you've done for us. Not just the big things, Lord, even the little things. You've reminded us of who you are in our life, and how thankful we ought to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Brother is going to play. It's time to find an altar. The Lord spoke to your heart. And the message tonight, it's time to turn aside. time to find an altar. It's time to be uh, truthful with God about where we are in our Christian life. I'm thankful. I'm accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ because of what He's done for me. But uh, also we fail Him at times, don't we? And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's time to turn aside. It's time to find an altar. It's time to make sure that that our heart is right with God. That we've been obedient to him. So let God have His way. His way is the best way.